0: is a presentation of the Retro Network.
1: This October, the Retro Network presents the TRN Haunted Halloween. 31 days and nights of spooky themed fun from pop culture's past and present. A full month of podcasts, videos, online features. And giveaways to make the hair on your neck stand up. TRN's Haunted Halloween will also haunt your social media channel with even more shocking goodies. Get the full experience by dropping into the TRN VIP lounge for more bone-chilling excitement that you can handle. Subscribe to the Retro Network podcast channel wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the TRN YouTube page. Follow TRN on your favorite social media channel at TRN Social and visit the RetroNetwork.com daily for all the chills and thrills. There's no tricks, only treats as the Retro Network presents the TRN Haunted Halloween all month long in October.
2: Been movie fans we're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s i'm pete
0: and i'm michael and,
2: and this, this is
0: box office 30. office 30
1: steven seagal is john hatcher he's dead and he don't even know it
2: hello hello welcome to this month's episode of box office 30 i'm as usual joined by my good buddy michael how are you michael i'm good how are you
0: it's nice to talk to you again i feel like we haven't talked in two weeks
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know about you but um time is going insanely fast for me now all of a sudden it's like the kids are back in school i'm in the new job new house and i'm like i don't (laughs) i'm pretty sure yesterday was august something and now today it's october something so i don't really know how to reconcile that
0: i i know the same i'm like i can't believe it's already the middle of october already it's crazy (laughs) or beginning of october whatever it is but it feels like it's just flying by we you know we've been dealing with a funny issue now so you know we went and got pumpkins a little bit early right (laughs) so the squirrels have decided that the, the pumpkins are their breakfast lunch and dinner so every morning i wake up with like Chewed up, destroyed oh, pumpkins no. on my front porch every day. <laughs> so I've already had to throw throw two of eight pumpkins away.
2: <laughs> I was trying to set a little bit of expectations with that with uh, Zoe because she um, did an art class recently where they made a little pumpkin and kind of decorated it in stickers and you know all sorts of little thick glitter and <laughs> you know, all this sort of thing. And then we left it out on our front porch um which you know we've done previously in front of our front door in our apartment in the city which is different cuz it's obviously indoors <laughs> you know maybe you yes. get a different type of creature there i'm not quite sure but um you know no creatures this time but it rained on it and some of the stickers and glitter came off and she was not feeling so great about that and i'm like you know the one sad thing about pumpkins is that they are a little bit of a short term <laughs> thing you know they kind of yeah. are there with us for a month or so and and then they go. But, you know, that's not what I was expecting. Like, you know, Mike and I were talking about that he had gotten his early. I was worried that he was going to have mush by the end of October. But now you're going to have mush in, a, I guess, a different way. Squirrel mush, <laughs> I guess. Oh, Yeah, it's <laughs> something. It's very weird. Well, before we get too heavy on, on our movie of the week, I thought we'd... Um, take a look at some of the movies that that we've been thinking about a little bit lately. So I know that you've seen a a couple of um, newer movies that you had in mind that you might want to talk about. And I've got one that we kind of glanced off of a little bit previously that I thought I'd provide a little update on. So you want to start us off on those? Sure. So there's a movie that came
0: out uh, probably like mid-August or early August, starring Andy Sandberg called Palm Springs. And I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. It was a lot of fun. It was a little meta in a way. It's it's a very unique story. And though I always forget her name, the girl who is the mother in How I Met Your Mother mm-hmm. is is the is the other actress in the film, and she's fantastic in it. And it's it's very much like a a a time travel-y or like a groundhog day kind of a a story, and it's a lot of fun. If, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's a, it's really enjoyable.
2: Yeah, that actually does sound up my eye. I mean, I know you know I like that sort of uh anything with time travel, but that that Groundhog Day sort of looping thing is always a, a fun um, ploy. And I had seen that in the in the list somewhere, but you know, I, I honestly like if I can sit down and watch anything at this point, <laughs> that's a win. I feel like lately I can't, uh, I can barely squeak one or another in, so some of those um, B-level Q items are just getting left in the dust at the moment, <laughs> but I'll get there yeah. eventually. <laughs> Did you say you had another one, too, that you had seen from Netflix? I
0: I do, actually. There's a a, a movie. Um, let me get the name of it. Hold on.
2: Oh, it must oh, have been good, yeah. huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so, I forgot the name, but I remember the the actors in it. So... It's a movie on Netflix. It's very sweet. it's it's must have been shot on a very low budget. It's called "The Lost Husband," starring uh Leslie Bibb, who you'd know from Iron Man. She also plays Megan in the league and and Josh dumel uh and that th- she's like her husband died and she went to go live with her aunt and like take care of her ranch and her farm. It's it's a cute little movie. It's fairly short. It was like ninety-seven minutes. It was really pretty fast. Um, I, I liked it. It was it was funny. It's very cliche and predictable, but overall it was a is a nice little story and, and cute film to, to check out. If you just got nothing to do, pop it on and want to like zone out a little bit. I enjoyed it.
2: I'll have to look for that one. Yeah, I don't think I actually bought that one. I definitely remember seeing the Andy Sandberg one on the list. I guess I didn't see that one, so I don't know if Netflix isn't recommending me that one or what? You don't <laughs> watch a lot of of r- oh, no, I was wait. gonna say most of what's on my Netflix lately is like Pokemon. So <laughs> oh, most of my Netflix and and Disney
0: Plus and everything is just Mickey or other Disney related shows. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's,
2: I'm sure you'll run into this in a few more years, but the older one got into Pokemon and, and uh, so now the little oh, one, boy. because it's monkey see monkey do is also very heavy into it. So <laughs> that has completely um, infected my TV lately. And it's that, or it's oh, boy. Uh, the other thing that, that my kids are completely obsessed with is the um, SpongeBob SquarePants musical Broadway recording <laughs> to the point that like no, we were I listening to it buttons. on, on Alexa quite often. But then the next thing I know they were I guess we had seen it on TV. Nickelodeon must have played it at one point during quarantine. Sorry, my dumb thing is talking by me. <laughs> uh, so we were listening to it during quarantine. Um, but uh, the next thing I know, uh, the kids were begging to see it again, so I had to go on to the uh, Amazon Prime and spend 10 bucks and get them the thing. And I think they've played the whole like hour and a half-ish, or whatever it is, two-hour uh, musical. I don't know, maybe 20, 30 times now, fully all the way through something insane like that. They're like, they could like actually like sing the whole thing back to you at this point. So that's nuts. Me, on the other hand, the first time I've sat down and watched a movie with my wife or anything in what seems like a long time, we, uh, we took the plunge on Mulan. We were just. Dying of curiosity to to see what, what really? came out of that, and For the thirty I,
0: bucks. Wow,
2: I have I have regrets. <laughs> so yeah. Mulan, I don't know. Maybe people disagree with me. I kind of feel the same way I did when I was sort of predicting how I thought I'd feel about it. Which again, like, I think that they're pitching this to a very particular market. I think they were trying to pitch this to the Chinese market, but it ends up kind of not succeeding in any one place you know i feel like you've got people that when we were younger you had the original mulan and again it's not necessarily one of my top favorite of the disney animated movies i think they did a fine job with it, it's just not that one of the ones that sticks with me as much as some of the others do um maybe because of donny osmond i don't know <laughs> but um you know yeah i don't know But, uh, you know, you're missing like the Mushu element, you know, they've replaced that in this movie with like a Phoenix that she keeps running into and like, it doesn't talk or anything, but like, that's like her family's like spirit animal and she keeps seeing it. And I don't know that it actually ever does anything to kind of help her or anything, but it's very much, you know, a lot closer to what I would think of as being more like a, um, I don't know. It's even hard to call it like a Kung Fu sort of movie because there's elements of that. You know, it's got like, I guess what I would try and pitch this back to. And I know this is like a like a, a long time back kind of pull, but it's one of the last ones that I saw like this that I really, truly loved was when we were in college and they had Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where it's kind of like half, okay, you know, like the fighting, but also half like a drama Um, that, you know, you're mm-hmm. kind of following both sort of it, aspects it- of that. But it doesn't do the level of justice. It kind of looks and stylistically
0: feels like The Last Samurai with with Tom Cruise, you know? Kind of. You know, the only thing
2: is, like, it's definitely got all that wire work that you're used to seeing in in sort of the movies that are produced, like, in Korea and, you know, Japan and spots like that. So it's got a lot of that, like, wire work feel to it. She has, I mean... I'll let people watch it and make their own decisions. And I I don't think this is too major of a, a story spoiler plot, but you know, essentially she's kind of struggling with the fact that she is falsifying who she is to be there. And so that element, you know, like you hear it in the trailer, loyal, brave, true. Like that just repeats ad hoc throughout the whole movie. And it's like the the three warrior virtues, you know, and like she's struggling with the truth portion of that because she's hiding who she is. And because of that, it's like blocking mm-hmm. her chi. Um, and because it's blocking her chi, she's therefore like not like being 100% who she can be. And when she is being who she can be, then all of a sudden it's like she's like doing the wire work and like kicking spears and like doing all these like crazy, you know, death defying flips and all this sort of thing. And it's like, that's who you're meant to be sort of thing. And like, those moments are really cool, but it also just doesn't feel connected to the rest of the movie. Cause I don't think, I mean, like the bad guys sort of do some of that wire work too, but like the rest of the army that she's with doesn't like, they all feel very grounded, very real, very last samurai, very, you know, correct to, to, you know, how, you know, I think a, a feudal sort of army would be working, but I don't know. It just like, it just feels like it's borrowing random elements of different things and they're kind of all over the place and it kind of doesn't add up to something. And then like a lot more of the story is dedicated to her relationship with like the evil sorceress, which like, you know, obviously that's not a part of the story at all. in the animated one, I'm really curious now if it's a part of the actual story of Milan But, you know, it kind of has this thing where, you know, she's doing all this horrible stuff for the bad guy and killing all these people and they want to kill the emperor and all this. But she's also like connecting with Mulan because she realizes she's a woman and she's like, oh, you know, you're what I could never be and like all this sort of thing. And I I don't know, it just it just doesn't I don't know, It, it just it's so all over the place. So it was fine. It's not worth seeing now. Wait till it comes for free and
0: you know On christmas
2: yeah yeah all that sort of thing um it's yeah eh, meh i don't know
0: you know i i i feel like you know the other disney live action films that they've done they all have the music in it they also have some of the magical element like aladdin has the genie like could you have picture could you picture Aladdin without a G- without the genie being an animated Yeah, take? I
2: mean, Aladdin, you have to do the music, you know what I mean? One of the other ones that kind of comes to mind for me is the Cinderella movie mm-hmm. um, because I don't recall there being necessarily any music in that one. But, like, that one has the story as we know it. Right. Uh, you know, more or less. I mean, they make little changes here and there. You know, they kind of expand on some things. They kind of expand on her relationship with her father and different things like that a little bit more than we're used to in in some of the other versions of the story. But like that one kind of felt cohesive and like what it was supposed to be the whole time. This one just felt like it was floundering. Like it just, I don't know that it's going to make the American market happy. I don't know that it's going to make the Chinese market happy. I just, I don't, it seemed like they were aiming for a couple different marks that they didn't hit. So Mm. I don't know. I mean, maybe other people have a different opinion than me. Anybody else that I do know who has seen it has just kind of been like, yeah, yeah, it was fine. And that's kind of the same feeling that I have on it. I feel like at the end of the day. So speaking of hitting the mark, (laughs)
0: Oh, hey, look at that transition, folks. Look at that. So um, now Marked for Death, when it came out, it opened in 1974 theaters, which is a pretty big amount of theaters for a Steven Seagal film. But again, thinking of him in 1990, he was a big action star for a, a, a short span of time. And so... It's pretty amazing that in the month of October, the film grossed $34,298,985. Interestingly, overall, it grossed only $46 million after October. So it had a really strong start and then just died off real quick. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's an early October release. So it's, I I think, another one of these ones that just, like, burns bright and fast. And again, you know, we were kind of talking about this last month that, like, there was a little bit of, like, a September slump, I felt like, last month. Mm -hmm. Like, there was nothing that you and I were too excited about, nothing that we were really remembering terribly much. So probably, if I had to guess, that was the case for moviegoers as well. So, you know, something like this action movie kind of comes out after a little bit of a quieter time you know, a bunch of people probably like ran and saw it those first few weeks. And then it just, you know, you know, fell off again. Um, The funny thing about something like Marked for Death and and Steven Seagal movies, you know, we used to watch these movies, uh, me and my friends when we were in high school, as like kind of in the zone of that, like they're so bad, they're good, you know, whatever sort of, you know, niche you want to fit them into. Because they're, you know, we said it, they're all kind of the same thing, you know, and like. action star but he's i don't even know if i'd call him action star as much as like he's he's in like a more finite niece which is like action martial arts sort of combo because you know he always brings in his sort of like zen little martial art kind of thing to it it's never as exciting and fun to watch as like a jackie chan you know, it's like, or, it's, or I not know. Even
0: Jean-Claude Van Damme type of fighting, you know?
2: Yeah, it's I just, mean, I, I yeah, put his, it like in that zone is. of his, you know, like the the white guy that knows a martial art, but like, I don't know, it's just never quite as exciting as, as the people that are like true, true, true martial artists. And, you know, I, I'm i yeah, sure that there's going to be some people that feel burned by me saying that Steven Seagal not necessarily the true, true, true martial artist, but I feel like he always has like, especially as time goes on a little bit of a pooch and he, he kind of runs a little funny <laughs> like i don't know he never quite has like the um spectacular on screen um presence of a true martial artist as i feel like some other um mm. folks that you know like i would a really fit type in that. Of guy, would I- exactly that i would kind of throw into right. that as like the true people that are really really fun to watch doing that stuff um but you know it is what it is it 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 leads off our list um and uh you know at least it's a little more fun to talk about than maybe previous yeah. uh, movie that we were talking about um but it's worth pointing out that it is still strong number 2 here yet again this month is ghost at 24 million so that's only 10 million yeah. less again than um mark for death is doing this month so again ghost is is really doing it to it you know and it you know especially cuz again that's a July 13th release so that's holding pretty strong still. So, you know, good for Ghost. <laughs> um, Goodfellas, so it's, it's
0: interesting, though. Like, Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, Goodfellas, you'd think it had been out for about a month now or a little less than a month. It would have gotten some sort of buzz that it would have ramped up speed and, and would have made it to the top or higher. Well, but in still- fairness, I
2: think it did. What I was going to say is that, you know, it's worked its way up to the number three spot, which I think last month I think I had said it was the number six or seven spot, something like that. And again, it it was a victim of, you know, just as far as our (laughs) recording goes, that it came out, you know, September 19th. So two thirds of the month were over when it did come out, you know, so here again, it's 21. So it's, you know, it's within close range to being able to maybe take that two spot from ghost if circumstances were a little bit different. But again, you know, with the 30 year prism in mind, looking back on these movies, I feel like I even know way more people that are fans of Goodfellas necessarily over Ghost, um, you know, and things like that. It's just, uh, it's a movie that I don't think I realize just has basically more of a cult following than a major original theatrical release. You know what I mean? And again, I I, I don't know, maybe like Godfather and movies like that, uh, other kind of big name mob movies of the time. Um we're similar to this. I don't really know. You know, I'd have to go back and sort of mm-hmm. see how they performed um, because it might just be one of these ones that kind of entered the zeitgeist later and became, um, you know, a bigger deal as time went on that people really kind of found it and, and ran with it. I don't know. Um, I just know at least like, you know, in my circle, like my wife and I like, you know, quote and goof on good all the time. Certainly you and I, some of our friends, you know, like oh, are, yeah. you kind of, it can extend that sort of thing too. So, yeah, it's just funny that it kind of didn't quite a hundred percent take off. I mean, again, if you want to, you know, do some apples to oranges, it marked for death total gross forty six million. Goodfellas total gross forty six point eight million. You know what I mean? So in the end, it ekes yeah. out more than that. But I mean, in the in the halls of time does anybody put mark for death on a level with goodfellas i don't think so i mean maybe again i'm sure there's plenty of um seagal enthusiasts out there um who were watching his um police show or whatever he was doing a couple of years ago there when he was on the uh atlanta police oh, or, or texas oh, police i don't know whatever he was doing yeah. um Man. but uh, uh steven <laughs> texas ranger whatever yes it was. yeah yeah <laughs> I'd rather watch Walker. I think
0: <laughs> so. Uh, agreed. So th- there's a couple of other good movies on this list that came out uh, around this time. Uh, we we talked about this one last month. It was Pacific Heights, which was a very good movie. Another one that I see that popped up in the number eight spot is a movie called Mr. Destiny. And I remember this movie. I really liked this movie. It's with Jim Belushi I was and say, Linda, I thought Linda it was Hamilton. Here, yeah. yeah, it's Linda Hamilton. Michael Caine, John Lovitz, Renee Russo, and Courtney Cox. Like, this is Man, a really a 90s good... 90s cast. <laughs> right? Seriously. Um, but yeah, this was a cool... I mean, movie. I realize
2: all of these are 90s casts that we're discussing here, but wow, that's a 90s that's, cast. That's when I start 90s. hearing names like uh, Rene Russo pop up, I'm like, where the heck did she go?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but but it's funny that this movie is so much lower than Marked for Death. Like, this is like a, a movie that kind of encompasses a lot of people. That, and a lot of audiences that people would be like, oh, well, I want to go see this. But I guess it's just like people needed a good action movie in, in October for some reason.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, again, we have kind of a fall off in numbers here. You know, there's essentially seven spots on the top list here that are doing double digit in the millions. So it's Mark for Death, Ghost, Goodfellas, Pacific Heights, A Fantasia, 1990 re-release, Memphis Bell and Postcards from the Edge. So those are the ones that are above, you know, two digit numbers. Everything else drops below that. So, I mean, if you look down this list again, this is actually a pretty big list this month. You know, we've got 40 spots yeah. um, on the list this month, which is actually a, might be one of the bigger ones among some of the the months that we've done. And again, all this is being accounted for via um, Box Office Mojo. And I don't 100% know um, how 100% accurate these things are or why some things kind of pop up where they do. But yeah, no, there's a, there's a bit of a steep, then fall off into things like Mr. Def uh, Mr. Destiny. Um, you know, I'm actually surprised that Fantasia does the number it does here, because at least as a kid, I did not like Fantasia. That and I my, realized like, you know, everybody's favorite, my part, least favorite. <laughs> everybody's favorite part of Fantasia, of course, is like the sorcerer Mickey at the end. That's like the most recognizable. I feel like thing right. with him with the, the dancing brooms and all that uh, or mops, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know, like that's putting in eighteen million here. I'm a little surprised by that, and the only thing I can say is that you know when they say nineteen ninety re-release, I'm curious if that was like the first time out of the vault since like its release, like in like the 30s or 40s or whenever that you know actually hit. So maybe that's why you know maybe there's like people that are like so. bringing their grandkids or or something like that. I, I don't know. It's I, it's just I interesting because that's you know. that's a chunk of change, you know. Again, for Fantasia,
0: <laughs> you know, like. You know, I mean, since we started this show, we haven't seen a Disney movie pop up, like a Disney animated movie pop up in the last. I think we talked know, about the Ducktales so.
2: Treasure of the Lost Lamp movie, but again, that's not like a yeah material. You know what I mean? You know, it's that's not kind of like Aladdin, the B Squad, you know, it's or maybe not, the H Squad. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I mean, you know, and that, that did a little R- bit, of, and all those things. Exactly, so. that did a little bit of something. But I'll be curious to keep an eye open for when something like that does come along um how that shows up in the list versus something like this cuz i don't know again for i'm sure there's a billion people out there that would send me hate mail off the idea that fantasia is a masterpiece and i'm not going to disagree with that as an adult maybe but again as a as a kid um you know i just don't think it it had connected with me as a kid i as fell asleep in it 18 million connected <laughs> with me yeah, yeah and It's it's you know it's got some scary yeah. parts it's got some some really you know yeah. boring parts i mean yeah it's kind of all over the place um, but from it, from watching it from an adult perspective, it's definitely cool artistically. <laughs> so number 14
0: on the list is Death Warrant, not to be confused with Mark for Death. And <laughs> I was surprised. I got them mixed up because Death Warrant stars Jean-Claude Van Damme and, yes. and Mark for Death is a Steven Seagal movie. Two white martial artists in movies. With the death in the title, pretty funny.
2: Yeah, no. So that's interesting, and that's maybe an interesting kind of comparison point. So, so why do you think one does so much better than the other? Because again, here with Death Warrant, they're making 5.8 million in October, and they go on to make 16.8 total. So, like, is Seagal a much bigger draw? Do you think? I mean, like, I don't know. It's hard to remember if he was that much bigger at this point than Van Dam.
0: Well, honestly, uh, the. the... So looking at, I mean, Bloodsport, Van Damme's got a bunch of big movies, too. He's got Bloodsport. He's got uh, Cyborg. He's got Kickboxer and Lionheart before Death Warrant. But maybe it's just like September was a weird month when this movie dropped (laughs) versus October. Maybe there's a
2: storm or something.
0: (laughs) Who knows? I don't know. But I I still find it surprising that that a Steven Seagal movie was the number one movie that month. It's very interesting to me because there's just he doesn't seem like, a, like the number one guy. Like, you know, he's not Stallone, you know? I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, again, it's kind of how you s- sort of started things off. He was definitely like a little bit of a 90s fixture. Not that Van Damme or others weren't, you know what I mean? But like, uh, that was definitely his major point in time. You know, I obviously he yeah. kind of did a couple more. I feel like a few went to theaters and a few kind of went straight to DVD release in the 2000s. But what, you like, know, he like kind of Glimmer fizzled. Man? Yeah, is it was he in that really? I feel like I remember yes, that he's movie, but like, Man, a, yes. oh, I might be thinking of a different movie. <laughs> I definitely remember, um, and, and it's so stupid that I'm I'm forgetting it again now. What was the one I was talking about before? I was so into it. Um, oh, uh, what's
0: it called? The one the one that came out with uh, Exit Wounds.
2: Exit Wounds. Thank you. Yeah, like <laughs> I can remember that came out when Angie and I were dating. I think. I think that was before college. I think that's when Angie and I were still like in high school dating. No, and like two thousand one, it
0: dropped. So I, it might it? have been okay. like my freshman year, spring semester. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. March I, I one. So joking you were senior in high So school. much. Yeah, and I, uh, I remember I even like photoshopped my face in on Ja Rule, like, <laughs> like next to Steven Seagal, <laughs> yeah, kind yeah, of like, making like, because you know, like Seagal, and like it's worth talking about that he always has like that like quasi pouty face <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah it's, it's very steely very blank very poutyish looking and I've kind of tried to get like that you know kind of squinty yes yeah we have we actually have video this month so Michael's doing his best Seagal at me <laughs> so maybe I'll get a screen cap of that and I put it out there yeah it's kind of like um, yeah <laughs> a bit
0: silhouetted though like yeah. I, I gotta have like a black background a little bit silhouetted and you know yeah and,
2: and the uh, ponytail and yeah <laughs> yeah
0: Well, I don't have a ponytail. ponytail. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, Oh man. But but yeah. (laughs) Um. I don't know. Before we dive too much off him, there's a few others here that I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that came out in October. I don't know most of it. Quigley Down Under, Avalon, Henry and June sounds familiar. Um, Graveyard. Henry and June sounds familiar. Yes. White Palace. They have Night of the Living Dead. Although I felt like we talked about that last month, so I don't know if that's a a flub that they're now marking it as an October movie. Um, I don't know. That one's a little bizarre. <laughs> um, and, you know, again, like there's other like weird little things that I could kind of point out about stuff. Like I think I actually flagged one here. There's a trauma movie on this list called deaf by temptation. And they actually marked that as a May 11th release. The weird thing is if you click after that, it made something like $57,000, but now all of a sudden in October, it's showing up as $2 million. So uh, again, I'm not the biggest trauma person ever, but what no. on earth got that to go from like some thousands of dollars in May to like all of a sudden hitting an, I guess, well, it's a trauma movie, you know, like in October, maybe they put it out for uh Halloween sort of things. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. I don't know something like that. And then taking it all the way down what? as we do <laughs> you, you, to the what? very bottom. You, you didn't see blood fist Two. <laughs> yeah i, I did you not see blood fist too yeah yeah we got a whole bunch of like Ooh. million dollar and below ones here we've got blood fist 2 corporate affairs reversal of fortune the hot spot Ooh. tune in tomorrow dot 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 <laughs> the spirit of 76 that's really the title was tune Anger. in tomorrow dot dot, dot. yeah <laughs> and then oh, the, and very, the very 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 bottom of the, our the, list the uh, nasty girl yeah <laughs> it,
0: i gotta i i gotta point this out though so the Nasty Girl is produced by none other than Miramax, which is yeah, your favorite. owned by the Weinsteins. <laughs> and, yeah. and your
2: ex-haunt, funny, I think, right? Funny enough.
0: <laughs> oh, God, yes. Yeah, so there was a short-lived time where I worked for the Weinstein Company. Oh, boy. <laughs> Car crash.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, yep. as I look at this, because I, I tried to do a little click over, I'm now seeing that if you click on this, the poster I'm finding is Let's see if I can even do this justice. Das Schrecklich Madchen, maybe? So it looks like this one is a, a German import. <laughs> so uh, that might explain oh, yeah. why this uh, this is probably in the Sag Harbor Theater, like I mentioned previously, but, but maybe nowhere else. When a young woman investigates her town's sure Nazi was. past, the community turns against her. Well, that's not good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's uh, yeah. I do remember the spirit of... I mean, there's a movie listed here that says the spirit of 76, but I remember this movie, but I don't know if this is the same one.
2: I don't know, but because again, the, uh, the description for this one is, in 2176, a magnetic storm erases all recorded history, including the U.S. Constitution. So three time travelers are sent back to July 4th, 1776 to retrieve the heritage but end up in 1976's Bicentennial while being perceived as aliens. woo that's a lot to unpack.
0: <laughs> Pete, Pete, add that to the list of, like, bad
2: movies we have to watch. <laughs> whoa. Yeah, dude. I mean, whoa! <laughs> you know, Spirit of oh 76, God, the reason it's ringing a bell in your head is, like, you know, that's, like, a patriotic sentiment you know what i mean good old spirit of yeah. 76 you know sort of thing uh, but wow that's a take and a half on on that concept Oof. so <laughs> wow. i'm i'm really want to watch now. this movie yeah <laughs> um carl reiner's in it <laughs> you know maybe that's enough to to watch it i don't know if i recognize anybody else yeah i don't know that's whew, yeah that's that one's out there um. So there you go. Those are the the bottom of the barrel. Um. I guess for October. So I don't know. October was more of a month than September was, at least. So <laughs> we had a little to, to yeah. chat on that one a little more. So all right. So let's uh, let's call October 1990 quits. We'll take a look at this month's big movie with our total recall.
0: So, anyway, this month we have a very, very, very exciting month to talk about for a movie and an actor that transcends <laughs> the 90s, I feel. Uh, in particular, the, the actor himself is synonymous with 90s action slock, I guess you would say. Yes. And this particular movie is a movie called... Marked for Death, starring Steven Seagal, and it premiered in October of 1990. Here's a very interesting thing, though: it came out the same year as Hard to Kill. And when I was thinking about this movie, I always get the two of them mixed
2: because they came out in the same year. And I'm <laughs> wait, like, wait, wait, let's like, just be hard clear: to kill. <laughs> it's it's really easy to mix all of the steven seagal movies they're all kind of the same thing you know and, yes. and we'll obviously get yes, into this are. when we start um talking about it a bit more tonight but they're all like a, just a fog in my head they're, they're all just you know i couldn't tell you his character's name in any of those movies because it's all just to steven seagal to me you know even his later stuff yeah. like when we're in college, like. Um, uh, what's that one with um, Ja Rule? I think, or um, oh, oh I'm forgetting it now.
0: Like uh, Exit
2: Wounds. <laughs> exit Wounds. Yes, e- thank you. Exit Wounds. I was, I was into <laughs> in a very ironic way at the time it came oh. out, but even that one, I couldn't tell you his character's name. It's just Steven Seagal. It's just Steven Seagal floats to these different plots. He kind of is. It's like a Chuck Norris, so- like. I know Walker, Texas Ranger, but like really it's just Chuck Norris is floating around, you know, doing Chuck Norris things. So, so it's funny. I'm looking at the list of uh, Steven
0: Seagal's early films. 1988 is Above the Law. Then in 90, 1990, it's Hard to Kill and Marked for Death. Then in 91, it's Out for Justice. I think that's just one movie all together <laughs> but they're four he's four different actors these four different characters in these movies and then you have your the the only thing that kind of sets him apart is is under siege but he's still he's just like a cop at sea and said but like those four original films they're the same guy he's wearing the same clothes in every movie same hairstyle same you know range of an actor if you will then range just, sure let's let's so use bizarre. that word
2: sure why not <laughs> steven seagal and range are two things that have never been attributed to yeah <laughs> um it's, it's, yeah no and it's, it's actually funny you know i was watching the uh the trailer for it just because i was trying to like spark a little kindle in my head about which one this particular one was and you know even the trailer it's got like the movie voice guy and he's doing his you know in, in hard to kill he did this and like they, they were tying it together as if it was the same character and I had to go look it up because I was like is this one of these like Jack Ryan sort of they're characters not where the it's same. the same no it's totally different like there's even in the trailer they're really just talking about Steven Seagal as if he's a character that's in all these different movies so even the trailer guy <laughs> recognizes that that's the case but uh, we will get like go down it, it would have been hole. so
0: smart to make it all you know It would have been so smart to make it like a Charles Bronson kind of thing, where it was just like he plays the same guy in a bunch of movies. Yes. (laughs) I don't get it. As I said earlier, between Above the Law, Hard to Kill, Marked for Death, and Out for Justice, I don't know which one this (laughs) falls into. I just can't remember. I can't put it to my head. Uh, Just what do you recall of this movie? Because I have no recollection of it, period.
2: Okay, so I'm going to admit that I cheated a little bit and I, I did watch the trailer because I was trying to remember which one this was. I did remember that, and this is before the trailer, that the marked for death thing played into this one, that I that he and his family were marked for death by somebody. I couldn't necessarily remember who, but I remember it being like, oh, they said the line.
0: Is this the one where they where he like, so, some people break into his house and kill his family and then he goes and hunts them or, or is that out for justice where he like is in a coma for weeks, then comes out, he's punching the wood. I can't remember which is the, the
2: punch in the again, wood. Again, it's probably both and neither. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, you know, I, this one, again, I went and watched the trailer cause I was trying to remember it. And oh my God, this trailer Maybe we'll do our our little um, trailer rewatch here tonight because it's it's kind of 90s trailer gold. It's just super low quality. Um, But uh, this one involves him being a, it seems like an ex-DEA agent. And um, he returns to his hometown and it's overrun by a Jamaican um, drug cartel. Um, and of course I guess he must cross paths with them and then they mark him for death. Um, and you know, <laughs> the trailer is super over the top, super quippy, you know, there's some shots in it that like, I mean the whole thing, I don't know. I mean, maybe when we go to watch it, it'll look better. Cause maybe this is just like a terrible quality YouTube video. But the thing just looks like it was shot on 90s video with a low budget. I mean, I, I don't know what the production budget necessarily is for this. We didn't do our, our homework 100% as we normally do on this one to really look deep, deep. I could pull it up um, into, the, into the The budget the was normal. $12 million. See, I have a hard time believing that. Maybe like 11.5 of that is Seagal's figure <laughs> or something because... Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know. Like, when you watch this trailer, maybe, like I said, maybe we'll do that in a little bit here. It's just like, I don't know if I can see where that money's going. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I don't know. Like, compared to some of the other action movies that we've had a look at, you know, the Die Hard twos and the total recalls and things like that, you know, and again, obviously those had much bigger budgets. This is just like, I don't know, not matching up. <laughs> um, <laughs> the main character's name in this, if you need it, which I don't know if anybody needs it, is John Hatcher. Um, as far as I'm concerned, the main character in this his name is Steven Seagal. Um, <laughs> the main yes. villain in this is called Screwface, which, okay, sure, why not? <laughs> it, it kind of makes yeah. me think of uh, Taserface from uh, Guardians 2 and, and the uh, Guardians comics, yeah. which they were poking fun at with that, but... Sure, screw face, why not? <laughs> That's, uh, uh, I don't know.
0: <laughs> and, and, l- literally, other than Steven Seagal, there's not a recognizable actor name other than Keith David, who, if you guys know who that is, he is a character that has voiced a lot of different characters. Uh, he was the voice of the villain in... Uh, Princess and the Frog. I think he was also one of the voices of one of the gargoyles in the show Gargoyles. I think. I think yeah. he's Goliath.
2: This one, um, I'm just as I'm looking at it but, more now. This is directed by Dwight H. Little, which is a name that's not necessarily in my head. Ringing um, any bells? No, no. <laughs> um, it's I, he's still going. I mean, he's still making movies. Um, he's known for on IMDb list the Tekken movie, which okay. And uh, Murder at 1600, so he at least worked with Snipes, so that's cool. Um, (laughs) But one that does um, stick off, well, there's two that stick off. I guess Anaconda's The Hunt for, I guess that was one of the sequels. Um, I never saw the Anaconda movies, but at least I recognize those were things. But one of them that he has a producing credit on here, which I have to say, I was actually driving to work earlier today and listening to the good old Wizards podcast, and uh, Adam brought up what is one of my all time absolute favorite 90s movies which is broken arrow and apparently he's the producer of oh, broken arrow <laughs> um which i'm hoping and that you know is in, in this can... movie in broken arrow
0: yeah really he's in broken arrow he's a small small part yes he gets killed in the beginning of the movie
2: god it's been a minute i got to go uh, watch that one i actually hope that when that comes around in 96 that's part of our uh, our show. I don't know if that's the top one or not, but oh my God, I had that on VHS. I loved that movie to death. That was like, it was like such a fun, just stupid action, whatever movie. I think that's before Travolta became the kind of, I feel like joke that Travolta is. No, days. it's,
0: it's, it's, it's literally his second movie after face off after his like comeback.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Those were good movies then. Uh, I missed yeah. those. Peace <laughs> is a good movie. Yes. So again, you know.
0: Oh no, you know. Oh, I, I'm I'm making a mistake. I'm sorry. Segal is not in that movie. He's in Executive Decision, when mm. he dies in that movie, and it's with him and Kurt Russell. Never okay, mind. take that back.
2: <laughs> I can see where you're where you're making that that leap. <laughs> Now, something that is um, interesting for Mark for Death is they the music is apparently by James Newton Howard. So that's a get, because um, James does a pretty darn good job. Um, I feel like with musical scores, and certainly he's done a lot of action movies. But you know, I don't know. Again, with that little budget there, I don't know. It's an interesting uh, get for this movie. It's him um, in a
0: synthesizer in his closet, just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, past that, I don't know uh, at this point what else much more we have to say on Marked for Death because again, I think it's going to blend for us. It's it's probably going to be a lot of um, stiff white guy kung fu, (laughs) him shooting a variety of guns, (laughs) wearing Um, a ponytail and and, a lot of black. One facial expression. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I mean, like even like you know, I like I saw the poster again earlier, and it's like this like silhouette of him um, in black with a pistol, and then. He's got that, um, you know, Seagal face with like his very um, contracted eyebrows and he's holding on to his katana because every DEA agent, of course, is well trained in the use of katanas. And <laughs> I don't right. know. Seriously. Yeah.
0: <laughs> let's, let's watch this trailer. I got to see this trailer. I, I really want to watch it.
2: Yeah, I think that's a plan. All right. Here, we're going to go into our good old preview review.
0: A tree fox. <laughs> oh, run away!
2: ...known as Possies are now dominating the American drug trade.
1: In Above the Law, he got tough. Who's that? John Hatcher. DEA. <laughs> In Hard to Kill, he got even. It's another time for you to walk out of me. I've had enough. He thinks he's retired. He still looks functional to me.
2: He still now, looks functional man, to me. The short fuse
1: is... <laughs> ...marked for death. I want you to meet my sister. Goddess of fire. steven Seagal is John Hatcher. He's dead.
2: Is he, though?
1: And he don't even <laughs> do it. I mean, look <laughs> at that shot. The family has been marked.
0: Yeah. In a bad mood. He
2: said he'd kill I don't think he's going to get the chance. In a bad <laughs> movie. <laughs> take out the posse. <laughs> Oh, this is a Bronco. Dude's driving OJ. One thought he was invincible.
1: (laughs) The other thought he could fly. They were both wrong.
2: Nice. Who do you fear? (laughs) They were both wrong. (laughs) For me.
1: I gonna deliver (laughs) you into the light. Steven Seagal is marked for death. My
2: silent partner, but this time he's (laughs) silent sniper rifle. Oh my god, (laughs) Stephen
1: Seagal marked
2: for death.
1: Are you some kind of cop? Nah, I'm just a concerned citizen.
2: There you go. All right, so that's the trailer for Uh, Mark for Death. So I don't know, I have questions. (laughs) So, like,
0: does everybody know how to use a katana in that movie?
2: Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you start right at the beginning with, like, these drug gangs are now called posses. Like, is, was that ever a thing? Like, is that something just no. strictly to this no. movie? I don't remember that ever being a thing. I mean, like, isn't a posse the bunch of cowboys that go round up the uh, the bad guy?
0: I think so. But the <laughs> the funny thing is, the the news reporter who who kind of does the exposition to tell you that these guys are called a posse it doesn't sound like posse to me. She says, it sounds like another P word.
2: (laughs) I'm not going to go there,
0: (laughs) but it sounds like it. I was like, Oh,
2: look at this trailer, right? I mean, again, maybe the actual film and who knows what we'll be able to dig up. If we'll be able to find, you know, a streaming version of this, or at least a nice quality version to watch back. Does this look low budget to you? It looks low budget to me. (laughs) I mean, it, like again, it, I don't. It
0: looks low budget, but also, so here's the funny thing. So I'm watching this trailer, right? It says in the movie that he returns to his hometown, right? But like, part of it is like in a kind of a rustic town, but then another parts are like in a city. And I'm like, where is this place? Like, where are we? It is by hometown the trailer. Of I can't Detroit. figure that. Out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, you know, so the funny thing is that I, I find really interesting about this is. They, they promote it where they literally name off his previous films. And what's weird about that is, like, they're positioning it as in in this movie, he was getting even. In this movie, he was near death. In this movie, he was that. But in this movie, <laughs> he's coming for you, buddy. And I'm like, yeah, but, but they position it as he's the same guy. Like it's the that's same what I actor. Was saying.
2: Yeah. That's what I was saying. And it, it's, it's very funny because it's like, you know, as with any of these things, you're going to try and sell a movie on its star power, but the, the way that they're treating it is more uh, kind of like I was saying, like almost like it's like a Jack Ryan type character, somebody that's like, m- you know, moving from movie to movie. It's the same character, even if it's played by different people in this is really just, they're pointing out Steven Seagal, you know, but they're treating it as if it's this character. So I don't know. It is, it is such a funny Come thing. Come see our movie. It's the same you guy. Know? I, the other thing that so cracks me up is this like very hard red and black silhouettes. The silhouettes are really yes. kind of poor quality. I don't know if they're doing these as a rotoscope or if they literally are just like projecting a red light with him behind a piece of paper and like, you know, filming the backside of that piece of paper, you know, but he's doing is like sneaking around with a pistol swinging a sword around you know like all these super cliche um sort of things and i like that there's actually one frame i think that's like 25 ish or so seconds in where it's like there's actually like a couple of him like doing the moves at the same time it's just so silly and then of course same thing like the reverse of that like black with the red um text for marked for death um i don't know It, it just seems very funny i'm really curious who this one woman uh, is in the beginning with the glasses she's got like this like very dour demeanor as she's um talking about him and then like screw face just looks crazy i don't know if they've got like some contacts for him or something great. like that cuz his eyes look insane you know they look like like they're like yellow or something yeah. and like oh my god he's just going to be like one of those gigantic jamaican clichés i can just see it already oh, <laughs> like I it's going to be it. cringeworthy. Yeah. You know, I, I spent a minute in the meantime here because I was curious who the cinematographer was for this. And it's actually a name I've seen before, which oh. is Rick Waite. Um, and he's known for such things as 48 Hours, Cobra, uh, Red Dawn. Um, Just kind of scrolling through his list here. I mean, like, he's got some, you know, movies under his belt, too. I'm trying to think if some of his other movies look like this movie looks like, because one thing that I'm noticing that's kind of interesting about the cinematography here, and this is evident throughout this entire trailer. I'm curious if you picked up on this, looking through it, he has a lot of people's faces in the middle of the frame. (laughs) Dead
0: center. I thought so too.
2: Yeah. It's really bizarre because Uh, uh. for those of you that maybe aren't, um, photographically or cinematographically, if that's a thing inclined, there's this idea in composition called the rule of thirds. And there's another, which is heads head room or headspace. And the idea is, is that you right. want to make use of your frame. You don't want to just stick your character's face, like necessarily like right in the middle of the frame. Usually you want to either place them on third lines and that can be vertical or horizontal third lines, but you want to kind of like have them where they don't just have like gigantic amounts of space above their head necessarily in the frame. Um, and in mm-hmm. some of these shots that the, that's the case, but in kind of a surprise, number of these shots the characters just like right in the middle of the frame and he the weird
0: foot loose too I mean that's
2: like, yeah the weird thing about that for me is like I think that's why I'm looking at this and feeling like it looks amateurish um, because there's just like I don't know there's like this weird consistency to the shots where they have so many of these characters just like in the middle of the frame with all this space and like you just look around to any sort of point in here and you're going to see it's it's like very bizarre is it
0: so i'm i'm looking at still images of footloose and every single still image almost every shot the main
2: focal point is almost dead center in the frame yeah i mean that's a choice you know what i mean it's an interesting one because again and and you know cinematography rules as with any sort of rules are always like made to be broken, <laughs> but I think there's good ways to do it and bad ways to do it. And like, I don't know some of these, like some of these shots just look so funky. Um,
0: they're they're de- every single one on footloose is dead middle. Like yeah. weird. Interesting.
2: So I expect I might run into this a bit more when we do the actual review because it, I think it's just going to make me itchy the whole time. <laughs> You know, like uh, there's a there's this a shot in this trailer even that's like a minute thirty five ish or so in where he's like in a club or a bar and he's got maybe a sword in his hands and I don't even know what he's talking about because I'm just freeze framing it, but he's just like super tiny and in the middle of the frame and there's just like this massive amount of space above him and around him and it's like God, tighten that shot up, shot up, you know, (laughs) make use of that frame, stick him on a third line. (laughs) you know
0: you had mentioned something before that i noticed in the trailer about the whole him being like silhouetted over a red background it's almost like they were trying to copy off of some sort of like james bond style thing because he's holding a pistol and he's walking around and and he's silhouetted i'm like is this kind of trying to say that he's james
2: bond like yeah it definitely has for sure it has a totally similar feel to that I mean again I'm really curious if this trailer in a you know a more original version looked better it seems very fuzzy to me so when I'm looking at these silhouettes they just look like really soft really fuzzy you know I don't know It just kind of looks funny watching it back um so I'm not 100% sure like what they were doing for those uh, as you say like it's very iconic that sort of thing with uh, James Bond you know what's
0: funny about all these movies so I'm just looking at his early films. Other than Under Siege, right? These four films, it feels like to me that whatever studio he was working for, if they they were all 20th Century Fox or not, I'm not really sure, but they wanted so badly to this guy to spark a franchise. Like, which one of these characters is going to be his franchise film that he's going to make a whole bunch of sequels out of? And I don't know if any of them ever... Amounted to that. So that's why by the time they got to this movie, they were like, let's lump
2: it all together and say that he did this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I think you're absolutely right with that. I mean, if not whoever's producing these, then certainly he must have had in mind that he wanted to do this kind of series of of things. And again, how interconnected they are. You know, again, let's just jump back to schwarzenegger or um,
0: bruce willis
2: bruce willis thank you um they're themselves in everything like you always expect arnold schwarzenegger is going to be arnold schwarzenegger and you always expect that bruce willis is going to be bruce willis but there's like a different coat of paint on them each time you know i feel like you and i were talking about this even with like the wardrobe and things like that and total recall that he was kind of just wearing like that, you know, like very stock nineties thing, but like versus some of the other movies we've seen him in, in different outfits and different things, there's at least a different paint job on those two in, in different movies. Right. Right. I feel like Steven Seagal has like this thing where he's like on my rider is, I am not going to come and do this movie unless I have a closet full of black pants, black shirts, leather jackets. ponytail holders. <laughs> because Exactly. You know, it's like, He's kind of just the exact same in everything. And I think that's why this stuff just blends so much. And again, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Isn't there one of his movies where he plays and maybe I'm way off on this, but isn't there one of the movies where he plays? No, I, I, I remember it. Um, I'm going to blank on which one it is where he plays a native American or somebody that has like native American descent in them. And like, yeah. it has to do with like oil I think right. It's like it's like kind I, of offensive, obviously through <laughs> through like I, you know twenty twenty glasses here, but it, like something weird like, like that. Even but like even in that, it's like his version of that is like maybe he wears some outfit that kind of has like Native American design in it or something. I don't know. It's I'm really struggling to remember. Yeah, it um, was like which uh, one that might have been.
0: I don't know if it's called the Patriot or something like that or. Uh, no, it's not. Patriot, it's, I, I think,
2: is the Mel Gibson movie, but it, I think you're no, close. I no, think but it's there something. is a,
0: there is a Patriot movie by St- starring Steven Seagal called The Patriot. Oh,
2: the lesser known Patriot. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, pretty funny.
0: What is that? I know the movie. So it's almost like a, he wears like almost like a Native American kind of like a over throw over himself, and yeah, it's I don't know. Weird, but yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, is it on Deadly Ground?
0: Is it on Deadly Ground?
2: uh Is that the one I'm thinking of? Maybe not. I don't remember. At any rate, I pulled up a list because I was actually curious and thinking about this now. Of um, his all-time fire problems. down below, like movies that he's fire down below. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who knows yeah they, uh, that one's apparently didn't do as well um so i actually found a funny little uh they they, they have a list that uh somebody put together on a site called ultimate dot com that actually oh lists boy. um his box office for his movies so his number one box office ever is under siege right. so 1992 Obviously. under siege um their rank that year, according to this, was they were the thirteenth highest overall. Um, and it's they have a, a a number here. The adjusted box office domestic is one hundred and eighty three point four. Um, so again, that, I'm not going to go double check that on our normal numbers. We'll do that when we get to it in two years. Um, <laughs> but uh, but that's their number one. Second after that is Executive Decision. So again, it looks like this list is just taken to an account if he shows up in a movie, not necessarily that it's him right. starring in the movie. Yeah, he's so in it for about five minutes. Back over gets to your uh, yes. Um, so following that down the list, then Hard to Kill, mm-hmm. Marked for Death. So Marked for Death apparently is his is number four according to this list, highest um, of all the movies he does. Um, Under Siege Two, Dark Territory, Which Machete. Is Right? <laughs> Out for Justice. Uh, Exit Wounds is number eight. Above the Law, nine. On Deadly Ground, number ten. And then Blimmer Man, Fire Down Below, and Half Past Dead. And I think Half Past Dead, I think I'm mixing movies. I think Half Past Dead is the one with Ja Rule and Exit Wounds mm, the one with somebody uh, else in it. it I think, <laughs> I'm, I think, I'm blanking who it was. I, I think Exit Wounds has was it DMX.
0: DMX? And, yes, it's DMX.
2: Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, I'm mixing my two, like, 90s rappers that I would have been listening to and yes. pounding in my blazer at the time. <laughs> yes, a- Exit Wounds is DMX.
0: Oh, man. Yes. I love that movie. Arf, arf, DMX. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, oh man. I loved that guy. Oh, I love
0: him, too. Oh.
2: Where's DMX now? I could use some DMX back I now. Could do it. <laughs>
0: I could, too. I, oh, I follow my Instagram for a little while, then I stopped following him. Who knows where he is now? But um a- anyway <laughs> um I don't know I'm 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 like actually excited to watch this movie a for its absolute nonsense that I know it's going to be and his terrible acting but just like I want to see how they're going to work in how that he can actually use a katana like a, how is this guy using a sword like he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't move <laughs> he doesn't even run he like he just kind of like slow hunts I guess what he
2: well, the uh, the Steven Seagal run, I think, is up there with the Tom Cruise run. You know what I mean? Like they, they kind of both have this like bizarrely unique sort of individual run. Tom Cruise's is incredibly intense. Mm-hmm. I think Steven Seagal's has always been marked up, or you know, especially because he's like a big guy, brawnish sort of guy, he's, he's you know, action guy you know karate sort of guy but his run is like oddly i don't know like awkward (laughs) i don't know it's just like it's it's like wimpy looking i don't know like i don't i'm trying to think of like the right word to describe it it's like like it's like very funny like weird little run to him and i remember we always used to poke fun at it that like whenever he'd start running on screen we'd always be giggling because it was like it just kind of didn't match up. I don't know. Like Maybe I'm way off on that. Maybe maybe you'll see what I'm talking about if you watch this movie. He does any running scenes. But I always felt like he had this like very weird, just, I don't know, bizarre kind of run to him. It wasn't like your typical action, like, Ugh, like, you know, like charging run. I don't know. He's got like I a mean, very good posture while running or something weird like that. <laughs> All right. On that note, yeah. <laughs> why don't we... Um, We'll call it here. We will see you guys back here in two weeks
0: for our rewatch or our review, as you will. And um, I look forward to chatting about this a lot. And also, you know, don't forget to check us out on our social media. Pete, announce all of our social media because I always screw it up.
2: Yeah, no, yeah, that's all right. It's it's easy to screw up. It was so hopefully easy in the beginning. and just ended up screwed up because of Instagram. But it's uh, box office 30 everywhere. The main difference, again, of course, is that Instagram is T-H-I-R-T-Y, whereas Facebook and Twitter are 3-0. So please do reach out to us. We like to get uh, your feedback. Um, tell us what you think of the show. Tell us what you think of Steven Seagal, <laughs> Marked Whoa. for Death. We'd love to hear it, and uh, maybe it'll even get incorporated into the show.
0: Yeah. And also, you know, as always, I'd like to thank the Retro Network for hosting us on all the many podcasting platforms that are available. Uh, We're also doing a promotion right now. You might've heard us in our retro network, little, you know, segment in in our, their Halloween episode that we're getting a promotion right now with fun.com and Halloweencostumes.com where the promo code is. TRN 2020 and you can save some money on some Halloween costumes this year if, you, if you're still in that like last minute oh man I need a costume uh uh uh
2: the dude <laughs> I'll take the dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dude's still a <laughs> <laughs> alright friends that's us for right now we will see you on the next Thanks one so thank, thank you, you.
1: of the Retro Network.